Yeah, so tonight we're continuing our current sermon series, Upward Falling. So kind of a cool little phrase there. I didn't come up with this myself. This was actually coined by Hillsong United. It's a worship band, and their song, Touch the Sky. So the song, Touch the Sky, is based off of the Beatitudes. So the Beatitudes are just the first 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, one of the most famous sermons ever preached in the history of mankind. And he starts it out with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, are, so it actually means blessing. So Jesus says, if you live like this, if you live like the Beatitudes, then you'll be blessed. Hashtag blessed, right? Amen. But the thing is, is it ain't the hashtag blessed you think it is, all right? Like it ain't like, hey, I just got this awesome McChicken from McDonald's and a Coke, hashtag blessed. That's not what it is. I don't know if anyone does that. I mean, maybe just me. I like McDonald's. I'm not ashamed of it. Subway, if that's better for you, uh, or Pancheros, whatever. But Jesus says, if you lay down your life for other people, if you put God and other people first, then hashtag blessed. He says, if you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, then hashtag blessed. That doesn't sound like American hashtag blessed. All right? So we're going to talk about the Beatitudes tonight. So last week we talked about the first verse and the third verse of the Beatitudes. Uh, or Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Then he says, blessed are the meek. So we talked about how or how Jesus calls us to be poor in spirit, which just means to stand before God and say, I have nothing to offer you. I'm sinful. I'm, I've fallen short. There's nothing I can do to compare to your holiness. Please have mercy on me. That's what poor in spirit looks like. So if we think, hey, God, like, or that dude in, the, or that dude in heaven totally just owes me his love because I'm so amazing, that's not poor in spirit, all right? And then we talked about being, or blessed are the meek. And and the meek are those who don't push other people over, or the meek are those who count other people as more significant than themselves. Okay, so those were the two verses we talked about. Now tonight we're going to jump into another verse, but before we do that, let's read the Beatitudes straight through. It's Matthew 5, 1 through 12. We're going to do this every week of this series. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, so the Sermon on the Mount, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of, or all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That doesn't seem like hashtag blessed, right? All right, let's pray over this. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the just amazing worship. We thank you for our worship team. We thank you for everyone who's a part of this community. And God, we just pray tonight that there be something supernatural that happens over the next 20 to 30 minutes. God, I pray that, that this wouldn't just be lofty words of wisdom. It wouldn't just be a great teaching. But God, I pray that this would be a demonstration of your spirit and a demonstration of your power. God, we want to just meet with you tonight. We don't want to go through the motions. We want to meet with you. So God, I just invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to be in this room with us and to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I don't think many of you know this, 
But Derek, the guy who went before me, is my little brother. Okay, you know that. But I don't think many of you know that both of us, like obviously we're brothers. We grew up in a family that just was passionate about Christian music. Okay, so like the cheesiest Christian music you can think of. Not like the cool stuff, like Hillsong. It was like Newsboys. You heard of that. There's a few of you because that's how bad it is. But seriously, Toby Mac. Okay, guys, here's the thing. Like I'm going to make fun of these bands. If you love them, I have nothing against you. Like go for it. It's awesome. Like, everyone has their own bands. I just think they're kind of goofy now. But anyways, Toby Mac, Newsboys, you know, DC Talk way back then, Hawk Nelson. I don't know if you've heard of these bands. But anyways, so we loved these Christian bands. And, and one time we drove all the way out to Indiana for this festival called the World Pulse Festival, and mainly because Newsboys and Toby Mac were playing. So as much as I made fun of them, I still have them on my iPhone, okay? So I'm just going to be honest with you. But anyways, when we were, or so then when we got there, we were shocked to see everyone sitting in lawn chairs, okay? So it's this big concert. There's like thousands of people there, and everyone's sitting in their lawn chair. That's Christian festivals for you, okay? There's just everyone sitting in their lawn chair, and there's all this space up front, and we're like, heck no, we ain't sitting in our chair. This is newsboys, for heaven's sake. So we walked up to the front, just plopped right here, and said, forget you guys. Yeah, just right in front of them all. And then all of a sudden, everyone was getting mad at us, and everyone was standing up and crowding around us, because they're not going to stand behind our butt, all right, sit behind our butt and just look at our butt the whole time. So they come up to the front, and before we know it, we look back, and there's like thousands and thousands of people behind us, and everyone is standing up. So then we're at this point where we're like, hey, we're not getting out of here, and this is an eight-hour festival. So this is like eight o'clock in the morning, and we're stuck, okay? We're stuck. We're not getting out. If we want to leave, we're going to get to see Newsboys on the way back, which isn't like nearly as fun, okay? So for the next eight hours, we just stood there. We didn't go to the bathroom. We didn't eat, we didn't drink, but it was worth it because of Toby Mac and the Newsboys. It was amazing. So let me show a picture. This isn't from that concert, but this is the only one I could find of us going to a Christian concert. <laughs> so that's me on the left. That's Derek in the middle with some candy, and there's my dad. You see the Cutlass shirt, if you've heard of them. Okay, anyways, that was us. That was our life. We traveled all around the Midwest trying to see Christian music. It was worth it. Do it. Praise him. I had the best hair in middle school, okay? The point I'm trying to make, I'm loosely tying this, but I'm sure all of us have experienced this feeling of being really exhausted or being super hungry or thirsty. That day, I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. I was just dying for a drink. I was dying to go to the bathroom. You know, just give it a little bit of time. As a human being, if you go just a little bit of time, you're going to get hungry for food. You're going to get thirsty for water. You're going to be ready for bed. That's just the way our bodies are wired. If we go without any of these things for any period of time, we're going to start to have extreme discomfort. It's something we absolutely need. And in the sixth verse of Matthew 5, Jesus talks about a different kind of hunger and thirst. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for righteousness, this desperation for righteousness, for God, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus says that each of us as human beings created in the, created in the image of God should hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this word righteousness in the Greek means or the state of him who is as he ought to be or the condition acceptable to God. So in other words, Jesus says we should desire to be as we ought to be. We should desire to be like Jesus because that's how we ought to be, is to be like Jesus. That's how each of us in the beginning were made to be like, to be like Jesus, to be perfect. Jesus says you should hunger and thirst for more of God in your life. Tonight, I want to spend our time examining what it means to hunger and thirst for God and take a second and just look introspectively into our hearts and to ask ourselves, are we truly hungering and thirsting 
for Jesus. So the title of tonight's message, it's very unique, Those Who Hunger and Thirst, Part 2 of Upward Falling, and we'll focus on the sixth verse of the Beatitudes. And the main idea tonight is this, you might have guessed it, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for God. That didn't take a lot of study for me to get that main idea, but I like it simple. That's the main thought. If you're going to take something home tonight, take that home. Say, I'll be hashtag blessed if I'm hungry and thirsty, not for Subway and McDonald's, but for Jesus. So Matthew 5, 6 again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness long for God because he is the ultimate source of righteousness. They long to be closer to him and to become more like Jesus. And Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied by being in a, just a rich relationship with God. There's nothing like it. If you've never been in relationship with God, there's nothing like it. Nothing compares. Like nothing even gets close. And Jesus, is, or, or Jesus says, if you seek God, if you just hunger and thirst for him, he's going to satisfy you. All we have to do is seek it. So tonight I'm going to challenge you to dig deep. Dig that hunger out and say, I want to start hungering for God. I think it's down there in each human heart. But I want to challenge you to bring it out to the light and to start, and to start living your life in that light. So I'm going to answer this question tonight. What does it look like to be hungry and thirsty for God? And we'll see the answer to this question in Psalm 63, one of my favorite psalms. This psalm was written by King David when he was in a desperate time of trouble. So King David was a beast of a king, okay? He's like the most famous king in all of the Old Testament. David was amazing. And most scholars think that at this time, King David was a refugee, okay? So get this. King David, at this time, or when Psalm 63 is written, his son, or his son Absalom is trying to take over his kingdom. So David is on the run. David's in the wilderness as a refugee, running from his own son who's trying to murder him and trying to take his kingdom. This is the situation that David is in. And the way that David responds to this situation is powerful and shows us what it looks like to live a life that is hungry and thirsty for Jesus. So let's read the psalm. Psalm 63, 1 through 8. It starts out, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, and my soul thirsts for you, and my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and dreary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, and my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands, and my soul will be satisfied as with rich and fat food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy, and my soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. So again, what does it look like to be hungry and thirsty for God? The first thing that I get from this psalm, just looking right through, I'm just going to go verse by verse. The first thing is, if we hunger and thirst for God, we're going to seek and long for more of him. That was pretty obvious. But in the first verse, we see that. So to be hungry and thirsty for God means that you seek and you long for more of him in your life. He is your one desire. It's like you are my fire, like my one desire. Is that Backstreet Boys? I don't know. But that's what you're singing to God. That was my favorite song. So go back to those times a little bit earlier, put frosted tips on my head, and I loved Backstreet Boys at that point. So what do you long for most in your life? 
Do you long for success? Do you long for popularity, for a great girlfriend? Or do you long for God the most? That's a good question to ask ourselves. For everyone in this room, we're, guys, none of us are exempt from this question because we're all going to be tempted to get off of this. But tonight, God just wants to call us to long for him first. David obviously longed for God in his life. He sought him with everything he had. David was not a perfect person. Okay, there's a long story. I can't tell it all right now. But David helps, a, or David helps a woman cheat on her husband, and then so he doesn't get caught. He goes and has her husband murdered. Okay, so a terrible person in that, in that regard. Okay, terrible thing. David had some pretty big baggage, okay, some crazy baggage. So if you think that you're too messed up for God, think again. David was coined as a man who was after God's own heart, and he just helped a woman or commit adultery and then killed her husband. But he was a man who was after God's heart because he asked for forgiveness, because he was poor in spirit, as we talked about earlier. But David was someone who truly longed for God. We see this in Psalm 63.1. He says, Oh God, my God, you are my God. I, or I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And I love this right here. As in a dry and, and dreary land where there is no water. That's what he likens it to. So David was on the run from his son who wanted to kill him in the wilderness. And he likens this experience of being in a place without water being in the wilderness, just desperate for a drink, he likens that to his desperation for God. David was as desperate for God as he was for a drink when he was like literally starving to death. To David, life without God is, li- or is like life without water. Just like water, you can't survive without a, just an intimate relationship with God. Do you have that longing in your heart tonight that David had? to have a relationship with God where you are so desperate for it that it's like you're in a dry and dreary land where there is no water? Is that in your heart? Christians, is that in your heart? Be honest with yourself tonight. Are you desperate for God or are you going through the motions? We've got to ask ourselves that. So when I was in high school, I played football, partly because I enjoyed it and partly because I wanted to say that I played football when I was this age. Now it doesn't matter. No one gives a crap. But, uh, so every year we had two a days during the hottest week of the summer, the first week of August, and, and we'd wear full pads, and it'd be, it'd be 95 degrees outside, and I was on the offensive line, and we'd run like so many plays in a row. There was two, two and a half hour practices, and I, I just remember there'd be my friends throwing up. You know, I never threw up, so that's pretty cool. But anyways, my friends always threw up during practice, and, and I, can, I just remember those moments, and I'm like thinking, I can't go anymore. I'm so thirsty. What would I do for a drink right now? And then just at the right time, my jerk coach would finally blow the whistle and say, hey, go get a drink. And then when I get to that drinking fountain and I would take that drink, it'd be like, oh, everything is all right again in my world. And then about 30 minutes later, it would happen again. But I got to ask myself, and you guys got to ask yourself, do you have that thirst for God like I had when I was just playing on the offensive line? It's 95 degrees out. I got full pads on. I'm thirsty as all get out and I'm desperate for a drink, I'll do anything for a drink, there's people puking around me, is that the kind of desperation that you have for God? we got to ask ourselves that question tonight. Guys, we need to catch this desperation for more of God in our lives. And we need to do whatever it takes to know him and to satisfy this desire. Deep down, I believe that we all have this desperation, maybe in a really, 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 really small way for some of us. But deep down, we all have this desperation. Some of you have unearthed this desperation, 
and you are living a life of longing and seeking for God, and some of you have ignored it, or you've satisfied it with lesser things. So instead of quenching your desire for God with water, instead you quench it with something from the world. Instead of running to the drinking fountain, you run to the pop machine and grab a Coke. That'd be really dumb, wouldn't it, when it's 95 degrees out? I'm in football pads to go grab a Coke instead of a water. That's what some of you are doing. You're trying to satisfy a God-shaped hole in your heart with things from this world. I don't care what it is, success, popularity, alcohol, getting as many girls as you can, getting as many guys as you can. And none of those things are going to satisfy you. So to be hungry and thirsty for God means that, or that we long and we seek him. We long for and seek him. So what does this look like practically? I think we can see this in the, or in the next few verses. So the, or verse 2 through 4 shows us this. To hunger and thirst for God also means to worship God through remembrance, through song, and through a lifestyle of holiness. So David doesn't just have some general longing for God where he's just whining and desperate. David also has a longing to worship God and to be intimate with him. In verses 2 through 4, we see that, that David worships God through remembering his goodness, singing songs, and I'll kind of add to it. It's not necessarily right in here, but I know he did this, to strive for a lifestyle of holiness. Because that's how we worship God is through our actions as well, not just through song. So if you're worshiping Jesus like crazy in here, like you're that dude that's like doing you know, some cartwheels up front. Some people do that at church. I don't think we have that here. But if you want to, I don't know. But anyways, so if you do that, but then you go out from these doors and you live a lifestyle of just being trapped in sin, you're not trying to pursue God, that's not true worship. You know, it takes the song and also living the lifestyle. So let's read this. It says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because, of your, because your steadfast love is better than life. And my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name I'll lift up my hands. So... In verse 2, King David recalls his times of being in corporate worship, just like tonight. He says, I remember when I looked upon you in the sanctuary, where I beheld your power and glory. If you've been around our community for any period of time, I'm sure you can point to moments when you could just feel, sorry, I spit, I just spit right there, sorry, right. where you could feel, I figured I'd just call it out instead of ignoring it. All right, anyways, where you could just feel the presence of God. There's just those moments. I can point to them in my life where it's like tangible. The presence of God is here, and you feel different than you ever have before. You've, just everything feels right. David's in the wilderness running from his son. He wants to murder him. And he's like, I just long to look upon you in the sanctuary again. Do you get excited about corporate worship like David did? Do you come in here expecting God to move, or do you come in here just, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to hang out here get through these songs. This is awkward. People are raising their hands. What's going on in here? To live a lifestyle of hungering and thirsting for God, I think it means to get excited about corporate worship. I think it means to come in here saying, the Holy Spirit is showing up on Tuesday night, and I'm going to get pumped about it. I want to see a generation. Guys, I want to see you rise up into that calling. God has called you to be exuberant in your praise of him. God has called you into that. It's not just singing songs. It's not just singing songs here. I hope you sing songs at home on your own time. But it's also living this lifestyle of holiness. Guys, we don't obey God to get him to love us, but instead we obey him because he's loved us so much 
So our worship through our lifestyle is not saying, I hope God loves me because I gave to the poor today. I hope God loves me because I didn't look at pornography today. No, that's not what a lifestyle of holiness looks like. It's saying, Jesus gave it all for me on the cross. So I'm going to do everything I can to crucify the sin in my life. I'm going to do everything I can to be as close to Jesus as possible. I'm not going to treat people like garbage, but I'm going to love them with the Father's love. I'm not going to hold on to bitterness in my heart towards people, but I'm going to forgive them because Jesus forgave me so much. That's what it looks like to live a lifestyle of worship to God. We don't do it to get him to love us. He's already loved you so much. Jesus gave it all for you. He knows everything you've done. Even this last week and what you did this last week, and he knows about that. Jesus knows everything, but he's still hung on the cross for you. And that should change your heart. If the cross doesn't change you, then we're doing it wrong. Jesus gave everything for us. Jesus bore the most horrific punishment possible in the Roman Empire for us. For us. That should cause you to worship him with everything you got and to say, whatever the scriptures say, I'm going to obey it because he gave everything for me. So it's twofold. One, you go crazy in worship. You sing, you sing your guts out. Come on. Let's get crazy in here. And two, you go crazy in holiness. Because holiness is the new cool thing, all right? I'm calling it right here. It's going to be the new cool thing at you and I. If you're not living a holy life, it's going to be like, whoa, that guy's so different. I'm serious. Because when I got here as a freshman, I remember just thinking I was by myself. Like no one was a Christian. I was stupid. It was the first weekend. I figured out there are other Christians. But I remember just thinking, everyone just do whatever they want. Why shouldn't I do that too? I pray that there be a time when there's students who come and they're like, hey, everyone's a Christian. Shouldn't I be one too? Wouldn't that be cool? Come on. That'd be amazing. Because we've been so much or so loved by God, we should love Him back. We should want to worship Him with everything we have. And we should continually just remember His goodness. That's something else about the verse. Jesus, or not Jesus, David looks back upon the times he looked in the sanctuary. And that's what can get us through those tough times, too. That's what can help us hunger for Him. Guys, keep those memories of God's presence where God showed up in your life. Keep those memories at the forefront. And when things are getting tough, just think about those times. Just like David did. He's in the wilderness. Things are really crappy at the time. He's looking back at those times where he beheld his power and glory. Don't forget to remember God's goodness to you. I encourage you, keep a journal. Write stuff down. Say, God did this in my life today. Guys, let's make a habit of remembering God's goodness to us. So worship is so important if we're going to hunger for God. But I think that's just the beginning. I think there's more to it. So the third thing is this. To hunger and thirst for God also means that you take time each day, each day, each day, not just once every four months, some of us, to meditate on him through Bible reading and prayer. If we truly hunger and thirst for God, we will want to read the Bible because the Bible is the word of God communicated through human authors. Bible reading is the main route that each of us can connect with God and know him and grow closer to him. The Bible is our authority. It's our final authority. Nothing I preach is my own ideas. It's all from the Bible. The Bible shapes the way I think, and it should shape the way all of us think. Not the world, not culture, but the scriptures. It should be our authority. The Bible should be our guide for life. It's the very words of God, and it helps us to know Jesus. 
I pray that Chi Alpha would have a culture of just reading the Bible like crazy. We love the scriptures. We love the word of God. We love hearing his voice through the scripture. Guys, if you're sitting around like saying, God, speak to me. Jesus, just speak to me. Just give me some thought in my head. Oh, I'm not hearing anything. But you don't read the Bible? It's kind of stupid. It says the Bible is the word of God. So read it if you want to hear his voice. And I think God speaks to us also. But it's never going to contradict the word of God. So I pray that this group would be a group who reads the word of God. And David read the word of God. See what he says in verse 5 and 6. He says, My soul will be satisfied as with, as with fat and rich food, like buffalo wild wings. Come on, somebody. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips, like we talked about. When I remember you upon my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of night. So he's not specifically talking about scripture reading here. But he's talking about just meditating on him in the watches of night. King David says, or says that when he remembers God and meditates on him, he's as satisfied as he is after a delicious meal. When we read God's word, we should be as pumped as we are for that steak from Texas Roadhouse. And dang, those are good. But David says you should be as satisfied and excited as you are when you have a great meal. Is that how you feel when you read the word of God? Some of you might not, and that's okay. That's how it started for me. Like when I first started reading the Bible, like Genesis 1 or, or whatever, I was like, what is going on? This is not fun. This is boring. But as you keep reading it and you start to understand it, there's going to be, guys, I'm telling you, if you stick to it, though, or there will be a time, I promise, if you stick to it, there'll be a time when you go away from the Bible and you're like, mmm, that was good. Come on. There'll be a time. I promise. But we have to keep reading it. We have to be disciplined. The Bible needs to be the center of our lives and our guide, and we need to meditate on it daily. So let me ask you this. It's another challenging question. What do you meditate on most in life? Is it Netflix or is it the Word of God? Do you spend more time watching Netflix than reading the Word of God? Conviction bomb just exploded in here. Do you read the Bible more or scroll your news feed on Facebook? I'm guilty of that one. I don't know what it is about the news feed. There's nothing good on there. But it's like, just going all day. I'm like, what am I doing? I haven't liked anything in like two hours. There's nothing good. It's another meme. Actually, the NFL memes are pretty funny if you follow that. But, <laughs> but these are important questions. If you're, guys, if you're a Christian, God's word needs to be the authority in your life, it needs to be the greatest influencer. Because all day long, we're just inputting stuff into our lives and our hearts, and the Bible needs to be at the center. That needs to be the thing that's being inputted into our hearts the most. We need to allow God's word to have the final say in our lives. As culture seeks to indoctrinate us, we must cling to the word of God. If Jesus rose from the dead, which I believe he did, and we can have a conversation about historically why that's true, no one can really argue against it in a little bit, not tonight. But if Jesus really rose from the dead, then we should take his words pretty seriously. If a dude rose from the dead and said, I'm God, I'm going to listen to what he says about how to live my life. Because my way doesn't work very well, but dude who rose from the dead, yeah, that works. I'm sure it works. I'm just going to call Jesus dude one more time. Dude. All right. So when I first started dating Emily, I'd post all these Facebook posts about her. So excited, okay? And just like I talked about earlier, like when you're in love with someone, like you should be with God if you know what he did for you on the cross, 
Then you want to tell people about it. Like you want to get excited. You want to worship. And that's the way I was with Emily. It was so bad. Time hop is just terrible to me. Every morning. So I did that. And I also spent a ton of time with her because I wanted to get to know her. All I wanted to do after my classes, like I swear all my classes were in this building, and I lived in Panther Village, so it was like the long walk with the snow hitting your face. All I wanted to do was get back and talk to Emily and get to know her because I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know her story. I wanted to know her greatest fears and her greatest victories in life. I just wanted to be with her. If we truly love Jesus, then we should want to be with him each and every day. Just like I wanted to get back to my dorm, snow's in my face, I'm just trudging through, trying to take a shortcut. Like, we just want to get in the Word of God, and we want to read it, and we want to spend time with Jesus, because He loves us so much, and we love Him back. That's what God is calling us into, and I'm telling you, if you start making the Bible the center of your life, there's going to be some things that start to come together. You're like, wow. Like, I was so confused, I didn't know what to do in that situation, and then God took care of it. But if you're trying to figure everything out on your own, your life is going to be difficult. So something people often ask about is, how much scripture should I read each day? Like, do I need to read like 10 chapters? That'd be cool if you can joyfully sustain that. So that's the key thing. If you can joyfully sustain it, read as much as you want. But if you're just starting out, I'd encourage you to just read a chapter a day. Just do one chapter. Don't make it crazy if you're like, I got to read 10 chapters a day. Like you're going to do it one day, probably only do about half, and then you're not going to do it again. So read one chapter a day. And if you need to know where to start, start in the Gospel of John or any of the Gospels, really any of the New Testament, besides Revelation. Okay, some of you grew up in church, and they talk about, like, left behind, that kind of stuff, and you're like, i got to read Revelation, because i got to know, when am I zapping up to heaven? Don't, please don't go there first, because you're not going to understand it. I'm still having a tough time understanding it, to be honest with you. So start in the other books of the New Testament. You could really start anywhere. Don't be that crazy kid who just wants to read about left behind, all right? So for King David, hungering and thirsting for God meant that he sought him, he longed for him, he worshiped him, and he meditated on, or meditated on him through scripture reading and prayer. And then in these last two verses, it all kind of comes together in a really powerful way. So if we're going to live a life of hunger and thirst for God, then you have to. This is the last thing. You need to get this. Guys, you have to know that God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Some of you need to hear that. God doesn't want you to fail. God is for you, and he is your source of life. Wow, the spirit right there. If we're going to live a life of hunger for God, then we have to know that God is for us. We have to know that God is our source. God is what's going to hold us up. God is what's going to sustain us. He is the one who will hold us together. When push comes to shove, God will hold you together Jesus is your reason for living. So verse 7 and 8, let's read it. It says, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. And my soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. David knew that God would fight for him. David knew that God was his help. God would get him through the tough situations. And he found security, not in other things, not in his, like David was a legit dude. Could get any lady he wanted, was an amazing king. David didn't find his significance or security in that, but he found his significance and security in God. When it came down to it, the one thing that defined David's life over anything else was not that he was great and an amazing king. It's not what the world thought of him, but it was that God was his father 
Get that. God's your father if you're a Christian. He's also your king. So he's not just your sugar daddy. Like, hey, give me some gifts. He's also your king. Like, he's your authority. He's also your friend. He's your father, king, and friend. I'm sure there's other things, but those are the three things I think David really knew. David grasped that. David understood that. David knew that God was for him. So, so Romans 8, 31 says this, and this is powerful, guys. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? We have to be a people who are secure in the fact that God is for us, that God loves us, that he's our protector, our defender, our sustainer. And when we know this, we'll run after and cling to him both in good and bad times. When we get that, when we get that God is for us, then when we're struggling, we're not going to run from him because God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want you to sit in your sin and give into it. No, God is for you. God wants you to succeed. So run to him. That's how David was able to cling to him. Because David knew God is for me. Even when I screw up, God is for me. God loves me. If you're a follower of Jesus, God calls you son or daughter. So we have to find our security in the fact that God views us this way as a child. When you become a Christian, the Bible says that you're adopted by God. And you're a fellow son or daughter with Jesus. John 1.12 says this, it says, But to all who did receive him, and all who believed in his name, talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. To be adopted or to become a child of God means that God, or that God loves us as if, or as if we had lived the life that Jesus lived. God looks at us and sees Jesus. He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin. He sees the perfect life of Jesus. Because Jesus took our place on the cross, then when God looks at us, he sees Jesus because Jesus paid for our penalty and his righteousness covers us. So when God looks at us, he's not seeing the struggle that you're in, but he's seeing Jesus and he loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. That's amazing. It says you're a co-heir with Christ. A co-heir with Christ. That is crazy. A co-heir, like, like you and Jesus, both an heir with God. That's pretty weird. It's pretty cool. Get excited about that. Come on, we're all just sitting here like, a co-heir with Christ. It's like you're a prince in God's kingdom alongside Jesus. That's amazing. That is off the charts. <laughs> Thank you. We have to be grounded and secure in this reality that God sees us as sons and daughters. And this is assuming you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, the reality is, is God does not see you as a son or daughter. If you're not truly following Jesus, he doesn't see you that way. He just doesn't. It says that you're adopted, like, after you put your faith in him. So if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus, and you'll be a son or daughter of God. That's pretty amazing. And Jesus takes all your filthy rags, all your dirt, all your crap, and he gives you his righteousness. That is amazing. All you have to do is say, I'm in. I love you. I'll follow you. And Jesus gives us his righteousness. And God calls you a son or daughter. Some of you need that tonight. You need God to call you son or daughter because you've been trying to perform for him or you've been running from him for, for, for so long. But he just wants you to be his child. God is calling us to be a people who finds its significance and meaning in Jesus alone. We don't find our significance in how successful we are, not in our ability to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, not in how talented we are. In Christ alone, our hope is found. That's what I want the cry of our group to be. In Christ alone, my hope is found. 
If we're going to live a life of hungering after God, then we need to learn, like David knew, to rest in the shadow of God's wings and to be secure in the fact that God truly loves you. He's for you. He calls you a son or daughter. God loves you as if... So some of you like, might not have had good parents, so it's hard for you to understand this, but, but think of the best parent you know. God loves you like that parent, or parent loves his child or her child. Times that by like a billion plus one times a billion more times another billion or a trillion. That's how much God loves you. Think about that. Like, that's amazing. There's nothing that can separate you or separate you from love like that. That's how much God loves you. I pray that we would get that tonight. The worship team could come up. We're going to close here in a few minutes. So if you're going to hunger after God, let me say it again. If you're going to hunger after God, if you're going to do the things I talked about, seeking and longing after him, uh, just worshiping him with your lifestyle and in song and also reading the Bible and praying, if you're going to do those things, then you have to know, or guys, you have to know your identity in Christ. You have to know that God sees you as a son or daughter. He doesn't look at your filthy rags. And I know some of you, tonight, you walked in with guilt. That's the reality. I know it because I'm a human being too. I have guilt. You walked in with guilt tonight and you're thinking, could God really use me? Could, could, or could God really forgive me? Could God really love me? I'm telling you tonight that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he gave it all on the cross, God can look at you and see righteousness. All you have to do is put your faith in him. And if you're struggling in sin, you have to repent too. You don't just say, hey, I'm going to keep living this way. So tonight, God is calling us into this. Twofold. One, to put our faith in him or to get right with him. And then two, to hunger after him. Because when you know your identity in Christ, there's nothing that's going to stop you from hungering for him. That's what God's calling you into tonight. There's no one who's excluded. Like Some of you are counting yourselves out right now. You're like, ah, not me. No, you too. God is calling all of us into this tonight. And when there's a generation or a group of students on a campus who start to hunger after God with everything they have, things are going to change on this campus. Believe it. But it's going to take a group who knows its identity in Christ and a group who goes all in, holding nothing back. That can be us. It can be us. It can be you. It can be you. I don't care how timid you are. I don't care what your story is. It can be you. So once again, what does it look like? Well, the main idea is, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for God. Matthew 5, 6, write this down in your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then the four points, just to remind you, because I know I forget these sometimes myself, like five minutes after service. So the first thing is seek and long for more of God. Worship God through remembering his goodness to you, through song and through lifestyle of holiness. Take time each day to meditate on him through Bible reading and prayer. And finally, know that God is for you. And if God's for you, then who can be against you, all right? And know that God is your source. There's nothing else. There's nothing else you can lean on in this world. When, it, or when push comes to shove, when all is said and done, all that's going to be left is you standing looking at Jesus. And I pray that you would choose to live your life in such a way where you lean on him and not on anything else. Stop leaning on your boyfriend. Stop leaning on your girlfriend. Stop leaning on the pornography. Stop, or stop leaning on the alcohol. Stop leaning on your success and your grades. I don't care if you had a 4.0. Don't lean on those things. Lean on God. Because when push comes to shove, when things go crazy like it did for David, when you're in the wilderness, you're thirsty, God is all he had. His son betrayed him. His kingdom was betraying him. All he had was God. My question for you tonight is, or what's going to be your one thing in life? What's going to be the thing that's there when everything goes away? What's the most important thing in your life? 
What's going to be the main driver in your life? Is it going to be your desire to be accepted by the world or to have a lot of friends? Is it going to be your desire to feel comfortable? Is it going to be your desire to be secure and have everything figured out? Or is it going to be your desire to know God? Get excited. I'm excited. Because some of you are going to step into that destiny tonight. I believe that. This is where it starts. Seeking longing for him. Just worshiping him with your lifestyle and song. And reading the Bible. And praying. That's where it starts. So each of you tonight are at different places in your journey. There's some of you, you came in, you're not even a Christian. And you're just like, what is this dude talking about? He's talking about being hungry for God. That sounds weird. You know, maybe you never accepted the sacrifice of God. You never or became a son or daughter of God. And I want you to just understand tonight that you can never get to God on your own power. It's only through Jesus. You can never be good enough for God. There's only one who can get you to God, and it's Jesus. Through his perfect, or his perfect life and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And there's others in this room. You've already accepted Jesus, and you have a relationship with him. But if you're honest, you haven't been hungering after God. You've been just being lazy. You haven't been seeking him. You haven't been going after him. You don't worship God really in song. Like, like you sing along, but you don't really sing like from your heart. You don't really worship him with your lifestyle. You got a ton of junk in your life. God doesn't have your affection. Like you don't really read your Bible and you hardly ever pray besides when things get tough. You don't find your security in the fact that you're a son or daughter of God. Like, like you lean on other things like I talked about. You lean on other things. There's other things that are the main thing in your life. Some of you, your boyfriend or girlfriend is the main thing in your life. I'm telling you, you got to crush that idol tonight. God's got to be the only thing. Some of you have just, like you're Christians, you're sons and daughters of God, but you haven't stepped into everything he has for you yet. And tonight is the night that you get serious. Tonight is the night that you say, hey, I'm holding nothing back. I'm all in for him. Because you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to keep drinking Coke when you need water. You're never going to be satisfied until you start hungering and thirsting after God and drinking from his well. Because you're never going to be satisfied. And finally, there's those of you who you hunger and thirst after God. You're a Christian. You go after him, but you're tired. And then I want to tell you this. Never forget that it's not by your own doing that you stand before God. Varsity Christians in here, you need to hear this. It's not by your own doing. It's not by anything you've ever done or ever will do. But it's by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and the fact that God calls you son or God calls you daughter. Nothing else. Nothing else is going to get you to heaven. Nothing else is going to get you to God. So stop trying to earn your salvation again. You already got it. And you're already a son. You're already a daughter. And rest in that tonight. All right, can we just stand up here? We're going to close. God is calling us as a group to get serious tonight. We need to get serious about going hard after him. We need to get serious about the things of God. We need to lay it all on the line for Jesus. Let's go all in. Come on, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm getting excited right here. I'm about ready to go crazy in this worship song. I don't know which one it is, but I'm sure I'll get crazy during it. Let's get desperate for God like David was desperate for the water in the wilderness. Let's worship Jesus with everything we got on Tuesday nights. And I'm saying this right now. We're going to sing it about... 30, 60 seconds, somewhere in there. So if you don't get crazy, I'm going to feel really stupid. I'm going to feel like you didn't get the sermon. So at least raise your hands if you've never done that before. Let's live a lifestyle of just obeying God out of sheer gratitude for what he's done. Not because we're trying to earn something, but because Jesus laid it all on the line for us. So we're going to lay it all on the line for him. 
Let's read our Bibles passionately. Let's hunger for it. Let's meditate on it on our beds like David did. David in the middle of the night was meditating on God. I pray that that would be this group. You're just sitting up in the middle of the night thinking about the beauty and the splendor and the majesty of God. And you read the scriptures and you devour them and you pray and you spend time talking to him. And finally, you know that you're a son or daughter of God. I pray that that would be this group. So if you guys could just bow your heads and close your eyes. There's two ways I want you to respond tonight. First thing is this. If you're in this room and you haven't really been walking with Jesus, like maybe you've never walked with Jesus before, maybe you've never been a follower of Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you've walked away from that and you just want to make a recommitment tonight, there's no one looking around besides me. Can you just raise your hand to heaven just to tell God that you want a fresh start with him tonight? I see that hand. Is there anyone else in this room? I see that hand. Is there anyone else? All right. It's amazing. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a prayer of repentance and just ask Jesus to come into our hearts and just pray along with me in your own words, in your own heart. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your perfect sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that you didn't only pay our debt on the cross, but you rose from the dead, defeating death, sin, hell, and the grave, securing us a place in heaven. And God, I pray right now that you would forgive me. God, I pray that you forgive me for my sins. I pray that you forgive me for where I've fallen short. And I pray that tonight you just give me a fresh start. God, I pray that you come and just live inside my heart. Because Holy Spirit, we invite you to live inside of our hearts and to make us a new person. We pray that in Jesus' name. And the second group of us, keep your eyes closed. If you just want to like, make a decision tonight to be hungry after God, like, like I talked about Christians who just aren't hungry, if that's you tonight, can you just raise your hand just between you and him? There's tons of hands going up. There's tons of us in this together. All right, God, we're going to pray. Jesus, I pray that you would just birth a supernatural hunger in our hearts tonight. I pray that we'd be so desperate for more of you, just like David was in the wilderness. God, I pray that we'd be desperate We'd be desperate just to see you and just to touch your face. God, we'd be desperate to be with you. We'd be desperate to read the word, to worship you. God, place this hunger deep inside of us. And if it's in us already, God, bring it out. And I pray that a generation of men and women would just rise up from this group who kick back the gates of hell and tell their friends about Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's all in your name. Amen.